Hello, my name is Colin Coyne. I'm an independent freelance radio producer, uh, much like Gareth. Um, I got my start in community radio about four years ago, and then I saw the wealth that was being generated in freelance journalism, and I decided that I'd go out um, and try and make a career of it. Um, it's been said that we're in the middle of a golden age of newspaper articles about being in the middle of a golden age of podcasting. And the simple fact of the matter is, like Gareth's covered it, covered it pretty, uh, pretty comprehensively in terms of the global situation. But we could have very much been in a room very much like this in 2002 talking about blogging. What does it mean to you as a journalist? And fundamentally, podcasting, in my opinion, means much the same thing for freelance journalists um, in any media sphere as blogging would have meant to somebody wanting to get into journalist, journalism 10 years ago. We're very much at the same, at the same point as it would have been at, blogging would have been at in 2002 or 2005. As Garrett said, certain podcasts have become extremely large got huge listenerships. Others are simply the same model of the original thing of somebody sitting by themselves talk, writing about whatever's going through their head. Those things have split out very much. But similar to blogging, uh, for people looking to get some sort of a foothold into audio journalism or radio journalism, podcasting um, has many of the same benefits or advantages for you as journalists that blogging would have had for people trying to develop skill and craft or break in at an early stage. One of the things that Garth said towards the end, and I suppose I'm not going to speak for tremendously long, I'm just sort of going to try and fill in, I think, some of the, uh, some of the things that are important in my mind about podcasting um, for working journalists and also maybe give a little bit more of a sense of what the situation is in Ireland at the moment and how that relates, how that relates globally. But basically, it's a, it's, a, it's a practice ground, it's a proving ground, and it's something which provides discipline for people who want to gain audio skills. Um, it's this, with regards to, I mean, Jared mentioned earlier about freelance uh, writers and freelance photographers helping each other in certain situations. There's not really, I think, the same opportunity for, for, for radio journalists and print journalists to collaborate in that way. Radio journalists um, who are at a scene of something are generally going to be feeding, are going to be feeding their own outlets anyway. But there is an opportunity for print journalists who are covering things for radio, hasn't shown an interest, to pick up audio skills and be able to then go, say, go to a radio station and say, well, I was here, this happened, this was interesting, and I have the audio. So then the key thing is to pick up the audio, production, the audio production skills, and the key question is how you do that in a disciplined way, and I think that podcasting is the way to do that, because if you set yourself up as, for example, you have a particular skill set in terms of sports, in terms of business, in terms of covering, if you're a local journalist, and it was mentioned in the last session that if you're based outside of Dublin, you are someone who has some, like for most of the larger media organizations being based in Dublin, their people are in Dublin, they won't be going to the local courts, they won't be going to, you know, the local guard auctions, they won't be going to whatever small or potentially interesting but, but, but nationally small um, events that are going on around the country. So if you're covering those for your local paper or you're covering those as a stringer for a national newspaper, if you've got the skills and the audio awareness 
um, to get the uh, the sound that a, a national or a local commercial station might need, then fundamentally that's that's another option for you for for selling your work. But I suppose what I'm trying to just pitch here is the idea that similar to blogging about something that interests you or that you have professional awareness of, setting up a podcast, even if no one listens to it, even if five people are listening to it, is a much more uh, disciplined and focused way of developing audio production skills than simply saying, I'll, I'll wait until I've got until next month and I'll spend some time and I'll learn how to do this and I'll record something and no one will ever listen to it. You're much better off setting up basically your own independent radio show. But that's, that's more or less just my, kind of my thoughts on why I think where the benefit is for print journalists because the reality of the situation is for the vast majority of people who set up a podcast as Garrett said nobody's ever going to listen to it that's the sound that most people will hear when they think of your podcast <laughs> the situation in Ireland and you know, I suppose it's it's worth talking to um, Francesca, for example. I mean, if you want to know more in detail about how the you know the commercial stations and the other stations would v will view print journalists coming with audio, mm -hmm. but the the situation in Ireland is Garrett sort of laid 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 it out kind of from a global perspective as to where the giants of the podcasting world are in terms of this American world. Actually, can I ask a question, um, which I, I I don't think was asked? How many people regularly or infrequently listened to podcasts in this room. So about half, maybe a little over half. How many people had heard of Serial before Gareth mentioned it, regardless of whether or not you'd heard of it? And you probably heard of it through print medium, people talking about how amazing Serial was and how you know it was reinventing podcasting. I mean, that is the situation. How many people can name a, an independent, completely independent Irish podcast? Irish <laughs> <laughs> The Irish History Podcast, that's actually a great example um, because the, uh, the Irish History Podcast is something that I wanted to bring up as a specific example of someone who's not a media professional but who has a clear skill set, he's a PhD in history, um, has a clear understanding of a specialised subject area and is consistently in the mid-40s on the iTunes podcast charts in Ireland. He's had half a million downloads between all of his episodes between March of last year and March 23rd of this year, for just coming in just today, in fact, so it's half a million episodes. But more realistically, and he, uh, you know, he, he said he gave permission to share his statistics, more realistically, if you look at the number of individual subscribers that he has, he has somewhere around, that hovers somewhere around 10,000 per episode. So 10,000 unique downloads um, for every episode, with about 5,000 of those happening within a week. So he's hovering He's trying to develop to somewhere around 20,000. He thinks it's monetizable rather than 50,000. He thinks it's possibly monetizable at about 20,000 downloads for him. And he might be right because it's extremely niche. It's extremely specific. I mean, it's Irish history. There's not a lot of people doing it. It generally tends to, his episodes range from about 30 minutes to an hour. From what Gareth was saying earlier, I mean, a lot of podcasts have different lengths. It can be 15 minutes, it can be 20 minutes, it can be three hours long. I would never listen to a three hour long podcast. Just never. Like the 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 the, the thing that won um, podcast of the year at the Irish Blog Awards for twenty fourteen was something called Antics an Antics Cast or I mean, sorry, Antidotes. And that's a classic three lads sitting around talking about pop culture and doing odd things amongst themselves thing. But the episodes are an hour and forty eight minutes long. I don't have an hour and 48 minutes long in my day, and I don't think most people do. 
that's winning podcasting award doesn't show up anywhere. It has fi- it has five star ratings in the iTunes and the iTunes chart for Ireland or on, on I- I- iTunes. It has won an award and it's going to go absolutely nowhere because it's, in my opinion, because it's far too long and it is replicating a lot of what you'll get on regular talk radio anyway. Of course, with the Irish History Podcast, it's something that's very, very specific. And in terms then of creating opportunities beyond podcasting, Finn Dwyer, who is the presenter, he's sort of becoming a a semi-regular guest on the history show on RTE. So what it is is that you show yourself as a potential broadcast resource and you show that you know how to put a story together, you know how to discuss it, you can put together a short you can put together short clips or packages that can be played on the program, and then you can talk to the host about it. So you show that you have already got the skill set and training required to be somebody that can be on broadcast radio. So I suppose that's what I was trying to go with that as the sense of podcasting as a training as a training medium. Because the reality of the podcasting market within Ireland is that, as Gareth said, it is dominated predominantly by what you might consider to be old media. It's dominated by US podcasts. It's dominated by the Irish Times. It's dominated by BBC and RTE. So at the moment, in the top charts for Ireland, the number one, and the charts are very malleable things. It's referenced by how many total downloads there are, how many downloads per month, what your star rating is on the iTunes store. So at the moment, the number one podcast um, for the Irish iTunes charts is Serial. Serial hasn't had an episode since, what, January? But people are still going through it and people are still downloading it and discovering it and finding it. There's a show called The Infinite Monkey Monkey Cage on BBC Radio 4. I don't know if you've ever listened to it. It's very good. It's kind of a science and stats show. Football Weekly from The Guardian. We get to number four, and we get to the the off-the-ball football show from News Talk. It's currently number four. Then we get to Friday Night Comedy from the BBC. Marion Finucane is number six. Coming off the weekend, again, the, the, sta- the, 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 the stats are all very malleable. Coming off the weekend, people are like, oh yeah, I heard there was someone good on Marion, and just going to the podcast and downloading it, maybe once, maybe never again. Go to The Last Word of Matt Cooper, Documentaries in the World Service, Doc on One from RTE, Talking History from News Talk. We keep going down and down and down and down and down, and it takes until number 23 before we get to an Irish podcast that is not coming from a broadcaster. And that's um, a recognized brand. It's Second Captains from the Irish Times. Again, starting from News Talk, a recognized brand that's now been converted into a podcasting brand, but for another major media brand. So when you look at the podcasting landscape in Ireland, it is almost entirely dominated by the news, by, by, by newspapers and by broadcasters. But what that means for you then as freelancers is that if you are freelancing something for the Irish Times, if you have the audio skills to also, if you're getting an interview with someone that you're going to be writing a story or writing a piece, if you have the skill set to record that and provide a clip to the appropriate podcast, it's up to you to talk to the editor to see if there's a budget there for purchase. There may or may not be. I can't speak to that. But the point being that for papers like for newspapers like the Irish Times, audio resource is becoming increasingly important. I think it's very important for you to look at potentially leveraging the existence of ERP. And uh, you know, I'm a, I'm an ERP member as well. I can't speak highly enough of it um, as a training resource and as a networking resource for people who are working in radio and working in audio. The reality is as well. You can produce broadcast quality audio, not something you'd want to put on Radio 1 every day, but something that a news program will certainly take with this. 
um, with with your phone, with adherence with with an awareness of audio quality and an awareness of what a broadcaster wants, and knowing, for example, that it's going to drive an editor absolutely mad if you do, you know, a ten-minute interview with that air conditioning hum going on. If you can convert your mindset to that of a radio reporter, in part, then you're going you're going to find that there are outlets through the through the newspaper podcasts and potentially, and uh, through the through the commercial and possibly national broadcasters. But again, the practice that you get through starting your own podcast, and it doesn't have to be something that goes up on iTunes. You don't have to go through the bells and whistles. It can be putting it up on SoundCloud. The editing experience that you get of listening to your own horribly recorded audio is going to be the thing that allows you to develop to the point where somebody will want to actually pay pay for uh, pay for what you're what you're making. So I'll, I'll just kind of wrap up by saying there are there are developments underway. You know, podcasting, the, the development of Serial, This American Life, 99% Invisible, all American programs happening within a uniquely American media, e- media ecosystem is showing people what is possible to do. Filthy Secret of Audio, it's very cheap. It is very cheap to do, but you need the skill set and you need an awareness of quality in order to do it well. This is the ground where you can learn how to do it and potentially, it doesn't matter if you, if you, you know, if your first 100 episodes are terrible, relaunch at episode 101. As far as anyone knows, that's, your, that's the first one you ever did and you've learned how to do it along the way. But, you know, small podcasts like The History Show are commercially viable at a small scale, or at least self-supporting at a small scale, and they show what niche can do. Something like An Irishman Abroad is specialized to the Irish di- diaspora to a certain extent, where it's talking about and to the Irish diaspora. That shows what's possible by simply doing a standard enough interview program but doing it well and doing it wittily. If you look at Athena Media, they've had podcastingireland.ie since 2005. They're relaunching with a Family of Things podcast. And more and more RTE are leaning in and News Talk are leaning in. And they're, they are broadcasting and putting more and more of, their con- more of their content online. So the Irish audience is getting tuned into podcasts. And I actually think it is going to, they're going to, once it's already on their phone, once they know what a podcast is, it's going to be that much more, that much easier to break through. So I'm actually quite bullish on the possibility of a future for an Irish podcasting market, but I just want to emphasize the importance of skill set of it as a, as a platform for skill set development. And uh, yeah, that's really, I hope that was in some way helpful and questions can be answered.